Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This episode is made possible by PwC. It's getting hot out here. Moving the mercury can help move your business. PwC helps turn sustainability theory into real-world action. Reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net zero commitments. Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. Create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. What is crackalacking, fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Dan Valley coming at you with podcast number 27 of 33 of our 2023-2024 NBA preview series. We are on to the Golden State Warriors look ahead. You know what that means. I believe this is year four of him agreeing to come uh-huh. back on and do this. We're talking to Sam Asindiari, the co-host of the internationally famous Light Years podcast. This morning. I just feel like I see and hear you guys everywhere, even if it's not necessarily in my podcast feed. Sam. Thank you for coming back. And how are you doing? I'm good. You know, I I, I love the our yearly check-in, preseason check-in, where I generally have an optimistic tone. I don't know. I've kind of like listened back and just listened to some of my old stuff. I, I definitely am like the old guy who's just excited during spring training baseball. Like nothing can go wrong. You can't break my vibe. And then, you know, they start playing and either the season goes well or it doesn't. But today, everything's perfect. Look, the training camp mindset impacts everybody. When I do over-unders, I'm like, I have to pull back wins from everyone because I just think everyone's going to hit their over. I am. 25 teams are not winning 50 games. Right. I am a little surprised because you were able to talk yourself and then attempt to talk Andy and then attempt to talk your listeners into the CP3 stuff like before the games ever happen. I'm not going to lie. You going that route actually did surprise me. (laughs) Um, You know what? Part of it was just a reaction to last year. I do last year was such a miserable year and we can trace it all back to the punch. Um, It was nice to see the warriors just go to a new chapter. And the way I look at the Chris Paul thing is one year could be traded mid season. Quite frankly, they they've used the word optionality an obnoxious amount of times all off season. Um, I don't know. It's it's like it's like they officially are throwing away two timelines as a motto, and they're like, you know what? Steph's still one of the best players in the league. <laughs> we can win a title. Let's worry about the future. In the future, is Chris Paul the perfect fit? No, but he does do certain things that can help the team. And if it's weird, we can trade him at the deadline anyway because everyone always wants an expiring contract. I I don't know. I I didn't think that. Jordan Poole, four years, 123 million off of the season he had was going to be very movable. So when they were able to get him for like, you know, an older but still steady backup point guard type, like I'm okay with it. Yeah, and it's I, you know, I want to get into the Chris Paul stuff, but it's just like it cost you basically. I call it a fake first rounder, and then Patrick Baldwin's out, and there was a second in there, and it's so it's like it wasn't even necessarily uh, unless you believe that Jordan Poole was actually a bridge into the next timeline, which I don't think he was. It doesn't even feel like it was. Oh, it's mega urgency. It's just this kind of made functional sense if you wanted to be a better basketball team. Yeah, and it's like, look, I think Jordan Poole is better than he was last year. Like, I think the player he was two years ago is probably a better barometer of who he is as a player than the one who was really frustrating last year and went through just obscene shooting slumps uh, for stretches of time. But I don't think you're trading. I don't think this is OKC trading James Harden. 
<laughs> and, uh, you know, I think he's going to have a nice long career, but that whole thing wasn't working. And end of the day, Steph Curry is the greatest player in franchise history. And I have a very hard time imagining they'll ever get a player better than Steph Curry in my lifetime. You kind of just, just go for it. It wasn't working on to the next one, lean into vets, lean into trying to be Spursy and just kind of see if you can, you know, if you can pull one more title out of this core. The before going a little bit deeper into the CP3 stuff, what is there? We know the punch, but is there anything else that you can illuminate on what went wrong last year? Were the vibes that like even breaking down to their road defensive splits? It's just like everything was so some of the injuries as well. Everything about this team was such a, a an inconsistent slog. If it like, but like, is there anything you can shine on what actually went wrong last season? And the punch was the manifestation for too many competing agendas on that team. Jordan, everyone. Everyone thinks it's about Draymond and Jordan Poole, and on some level it is, but it was more about Clay and Jordan Poole. He could not get over the fact that he wasn't allowed to, he wasn't the starter. He thought he was better than Clay. He might have been at some points, but, you know, Steve wanted seniority and you just kind of wanted him to buy in. I, I, tend to be, I tend to think if Jordan Poole bought into playing defense, he might have just made him a starter and told Clay to come off the bench. Oh, wow. Um, I don't know if that's true to be to be honest, but I think the coaching staff was like, "We're not just going to start you to start you. You got to like kind of earn it, quote unquote." And he thought he already had. Uh, there was the James Wiseman thing where they cleared minutes for him, and he just clearly was unuseful. The coaching staff didn't want to play him. The front office kind of wanted him to play. Jonathan Kuminga is another player who thought he earned more minutes than he wanted. I mean, if you looked at the roster they had last year. You had the the bones of the team that won the title the year prior. You know, mm-hmm. Steph, Clay, Draymond. You could throw Looney, Wiggins, a few other guys into there. And then all guys who are young wanting to prove themselves, not win. So it, it, was, it was the two-timeline thing. You know, it didn't get them the year before, but the year before they really had three young guys. They didn't lean in this way. Like, they had Otto Porter, not Patrick Baldwin. Right. I'm not even saying Patrick Baldwin wasn't even a problem, but he's a 19 year old rookie. Like he's more deer in headlights in the locker room than anything. Right. Um, Andre Godala didn't play all year. That's the guy you thought could be a veteran helping the bench. Um, Jamichael Green, who you signed, not that guy. Like it, the whole thing disintegrated into individual agendas is the way I would put it. What I found interesting, and this happened a little bit more, a lot of it with Aiton and Phoenix, like mm-hmm. to compare it to the pool situation. I always just assume it's like that Mad Men line. That's what the money's for. Right. You're not happy with your own. Obviously, Jonathan Kaminga wants his next contract. Moses Moody does. Mm-hmm. So I was a little surprised even after the punch that shit went so sideways with Jordan Poole. I actually thought it was going to be fine. It was like, oh, he got his contract. And mm-hmm. I said the same thing with Aiton. I was like, they're paid now. Like, role doesn't matter. Um, I was clearly wrong. Yeah. I mean, Jordan Poole wants to be an all star. And you know what? Like, I think he could. I don't, you know, I'm, if you ask me, is he going to be an all-star this year? Probably not. But it would not surprise me. He's only 24. It would not surprise me if he turned himself into an all-star, you know? Uh, that was never going to happen coming off the bench for the Warriors. That sort of thing, right? And I feel like the punch is kind of the manifestation of know your place, you know, type mm-hmm. of thing. So, uh, yeah, and Aiton's, Aiton's wired the same way in the sense of Aiton has this idea of how he wants to play and felt like he was held back a little bit. So sometimes it's not always about the money. You know, sometimes it's about wanting to prove you can do something. And that's like, that's why young teams don't win titles. You know, that's yeah. why young, that's why they're filled with veteran guys. They're filled with like Dario Saric types. Who's been around the block. And he's like, Oh, this is a team where I know exactly what my role. I can help this team this way. I'm not out here like saying, I need the ball to prove I can score 20. I know I'm not that guy, right? So the the Chris Paul move was, and I think because it happened so early, but because of what it represented for Jordan Poole and then what CP3 means to the Warriors fan base, it got lost in the Dame stuff, even in the Harden stuff, in every whatever the Celtics are fucking doing. It feels like four seasons ago. Yeah. (laughs) It was, though, the single most polarizing moves of the offseason, I think. Like, I know there's other interesting stuff. So what have your, to start here, what have been your general impressions now that we're into training camp in the preseason of the CP3 experience so far? Everything positive so far. I'm, I'm honestly curious to see what happens when Draymond actually comes back from injury, not because I think they're going to clash, although they absolutely could, um, but mostly because, okay, no Draymond in camp. We're just going to let Chris start. We don't have to work through any of that uneasy tension. And he's, you know, 
I mean, he's a, he's a first bout Hall of Famer. He's professional, like shocker. He he knows how to play basketball, even though he's older. <laughs> he knows how to help his teammates. Um, the young guys like him. The veterans like working with him. Like that stuff doesn't doesn't surprise me. It's just like positive to see it. Um, I don't think we can really learn anything until he comes off the bench. And I do think that's where Steve's going to land with this. I think my prediction is Steve Kerr is going to rotate the main six guys more than you think. It's not going to be as much of a set starting lineup. He may bring Draymond off the bench a little bit and start okay. small with Chris Paul. He it's may like bring Clay up thing. Yeah. He may bring Clay off the bench or Looney off the bench at times too. Um, just to make all those guys, you know, realize like, Hey, you're all on equal footing. You're clearly the main guys, but someone has to come off the bench every now and then, you know? What do you think? What are you most intrigued by? Aside from, we all know what he might be able to do for them during the non-Steph minutes. What most intrigues you about his fit and what he can do for this team? Um, well, the non-Steph minutes are number one. Um, you already alluded to that. The number two would be him next to Steph with Draymond off the floor. It's pretty intriguing because... How many players has Steph played with who can actually dribble a basketball? Oh shit. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's like they get <laughs> Kevin Durant and everyone's like this is unfair, you know? But like every other warrior team is it's kind of filled with dudes who are smart and long, but not necessarily guys who can create their own shot, right? Right. And you know Jordan Poole when he was going they were unstoppable together because now you had that second shot creator next to him. Uh, but Jordan Poole is inconsistent with regards to playmaking. Chris Paul is obviously not an inconsistent playmaker. He's a point God, whatever you want to call it. Right. I'm curious to see what it looks like when you get like Chris Paul, Steph, maybe you got Wiggins and Kuminga, two hyper athletic wings and Dario Saric stretch five. Like what is that line? What are those type of things? Like? Cause I think they'll blow people out offense like maybe yeah a little slow in the backcourt maybe i wouldn't want that backcourt guarding a john morant but like not that many teams you're playing that can really expose that sort of lineup so i'm kind of excited to see some of the combinations they can run with steph and cp together what is your biggest concern about like him coming in it's not as much him uh because i don't really think he's gonna be as much of a mouth like people think that they're just gonna hate each other I'm like every cp he's had all the right things on like every cp3 team it. does well year one it tends to be like your two three where he grades on you a little bit but everyone gets a little initial bump there and all again if it's like if it's like a westbrook lakers experience where it's just like oh this isn't gonna work they'll get rid of him in, in three months in february you know so mm -hmm. that would not be ideal of course but you know there's an easy out there right um, the thing that concerns me is the thing that anyone would say at the Warriors, do they have enough size in general? Mm -hmm. Forget Chris Paul next to Steph. Just like a lot of this roster hinges on Jonathan Kuminga actually taking a step mm -hmm. as opposed to being like a theoretical player who has these exciting flashes. Uh, you know, if he takes a step, that's another six, eight wing. That's like your Harrison Barnes type. Uh, and then you can, you know, they're still undersized, but it's kind of a Warriors-y thing between Wiggins, Clay, Draymond. You know, you throw Kuminga in there. It's a lot of wings to mess with, right? Uh, yeah. If he doesn't come around, I just don't know what their best lineup combinations are because we know Draymond and Looney don't work well together in a, in most playoff matchups. Like, you can't play those two against AD, for example. He just won't guard both of them and he'll – and then he'll get back and cover them if they ever try to shoot the ball in any capacity. You know, they need to kind of find a way to find that fifth guy to go with, you know, Steph, uh, Clay, Wiggins, and whichever the two bigs that play. Yeah. I mean, and Kaminga feels like, because that would have been my biggest question. I know a lot of people like, well, can the Warriors play as fast, fast as they want to? If Chris Paul's on the floor. And I was like, even if he's not actually in front of the break, like he knows how to trail it and get the ball moving. Mine was just like, what are those? You mentioned Steph Curry and Chris Paul. It, it tantalizes me on offense. Mm -hmm. I just don't like, what is the, how do you build out the optimal defensive lineup around them? And it feels like Jonathan Kaminga is mission critical to, to maybe doing yeah. that, especially if you're mentioning, well, let's not have Draymond green on the court at all times during those, those minutes. Yeah. I mean, that, Kuminga is the question mark in the top, the theoretical top eight, nine of their rotation. You know, like Darius Arch is going to come in and be the player he's been, which is a solid backup big, right? Mm 
we know what he's doing. Looney, we know what he's doing. You know, like we know what those guys are doing. Kuminga is the one swing piece where it's like he hasn't really proven it in the NBA. He's had some stretches where you're like, I think he might be good, uh, but he hasn't done it with consistency. He obviously got benched in the playoffs. Um, that felt more disciplinary at times. That felt mm-hmm. more like Steve trying to get him to uh, buy in than than like a matchup thing. But all roads kind of lead back to him as their one development gamble. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans, after all, it's only pressure, you got this, Adidas. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. So when you're looking at him, if we look back on this season and it is the breakout campaign for Jonathan Kamingo, if you were to finish this sentence, Jonathan Kamingo broke out because like, what is the one or maybe even two things that you'll be watching the most closely about how he fits and fares within this rotation? Rebounding. That's yeah. the one. Nice. It, yeah. I think I would like to say his jump shot, but I don't think it's realistic to expect him to be a great shooter yet by any like or even just like a confident one um what they need him to do is be a guy who can use athleticism to make effort plays and rebounding is the one they continue to focus on with him so uh if he becomes a more aggressive like remember two years ago in the playoffs andrew wiggins started rebounding like crazy and we're all like huh you know where has that been for seven years right but like that was what they needed that's kind of what i'm looking at with kuminga can he do what Andrew Wiggins did, what Harrison Barnes did. Can he be that type of wing? You know, we're not going to run isolations for you, but your presence is felt by hitting an open shot, you know, cutting and, you know, dunking the ball off Steph's gravity and rebounding and making the little plays. That's kind of what they want from him. And that's been the issue the past two years where he sees himself as, you know, a guy gets the ball in his hands and doing certain things. In some ways, it's really reminiscent of kind of young Andrew Wiggins. So... It felt like, at least when I was watching them, there were more of those little defensive plays from him, even if sometimes <laughs> it probably took him out of position to get rebounds, which is a yeah. focus that, like, but so that's encouraging. Um, it, are they prepared? Because you mentioned this, like, there's an urgency just because Steph is Steph right now, mm-hmm. but you look at this roster makeup, are they, it does seem like they're prepared to give him a longer rope this year, or at least I, I think want to so. assume it's freedom to fail, but like, it feels like there's a really big belief that he is going to make that leap into consistency this season my read on the way they built the roster out is we're bringing in a lot of low maintenance no-nonsense veterans Corey joseph comes to mind just 10-year pro you know he good locker room guy he's gonna help the younger players they brought gp2 back beloved ultimate teammate would never complain if he if he gets a dmp three games in a row he's still going to be doing the good teammate stuff Dario, sorry, they brought in a bunch of those guys. And in, in some ways, it's because last year they over indexed going young. 
Mm-hmm. And the other, the other way you can look at it is, you know, if you want to give a guy like Kuminga the space to succeed, surrounding him with those type of guys is going to be way more beneficial for him. I think Rudy Gay is going to end up getting the last roster spot they have. And I think he's going to be getting it mostly because they view him as like the guy who can be in Kuminga's ear and help him. And just like all these, you know, good teammate, veteran bench guy things. Like I think that's really what they're betting on. And they're trying to insulate it where it's like, we can get it out of him because we're going to, we're going to build a very like adult professional team. Um, the Clay Thompson stuff, I, like, are we supposed to really read anything into the whole, will he be defending some power forwards? Like, what is it actually changing about what he did defensively last year, which was still miles away from how they were using him defensively a few years ago? So I just, I don't understand why there's all of a sudden this uproar on social Steve, media about it. Steve just, I think he knew exactly what he was doing. So he knew it'd get a, you say power forward, it like makes people think he's going to be defending Carl Malone like that even exists in the NBA. You know, like he's a wing. He's going to be guarding bigger wings. That's what they want from him. I think we all know he's not going to be guarding point guards anymore, right? Right. Clay's best attribute is his strength defensively. He can muscle up with an Aaron Gordon. He can muscle up a Kawhi Leonard as well as any wing can. You know, he's he's strong. But if he's going to be the guy guarding those type of wings – there has to be a little more focus on off-ball defense, a little more awareness in terms of being a help defender, and just you got to help a little more on the glass too. You know, yeah. no one's asking Clay to become a ten rebound per game guy, but you can't have, you, you it can't be like you know Clay of the earlier the dynasty where it's like twenty five points, one assist, two rebounds. You know, <laughs> I need a little more out of you there, and I think that's what he means by power forward. Power forward, it's essentially it's like you're gonna you're not gonna be on ball, you're gonna be off ball. So I need you to actually be a help defender i need you to not fall asleep off ball i need you to box out off ball those sort of things And when you talk about it that way you're like you know what those are reasonable asks you know those are reasonable asks but when you say he's going to play power forward people's minds go to oh no he has to guard Giannis one-on-one right (laughs) is there any like does he have to do anything different offensively not even just this season but as he's getting older because it felt like last year he like he shot the hell out of the ball for a lot of the season, but there were just like these wild swings from him, and then it felt like he reverted to some of the "I'm automatically going to shoot" or "I'm going to try and put the ball on the floor." Is there anything be he smarter. needs to just change? Yeah, be smarter. That's what it is. <laughs> I think the big takeaway, like the Lakers series, obviously that's the worst uh, playoff series I've seen him play. He he was, I mean the the <laughs> he tried to like talk about Game Six Clay and then goes out three for nineteen. You know, like it was, it was a, it was kind of a shitty way to go out. I think, you know, he, he's not going to turn into like a pick and roll playmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're going to start posting him up like Mark Jackson's right in the offense again, maybe here and there, but like he's, he is good at it, but it's like, I don't know how many, how many post fadeaways a game do you really need? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's more just about recognition, being a little more of a decoy, understanding, when you actually have four feet of space versus a guy right in your face, Clay thinks he can hit a shot on anyone because he's proven he can hit a shot on anyone. Right. And that leads to him going, you know, kind of like the, the Kobe stereotype of like shooting with three hands in your face, like just do less of that and they'll be fine. Because even if he's 34 next spring, even if he's older than that, no one's leaving him wide open. Right. So right. if he's willing to use, if he's willing to just use his gravity to open up stuff to get Wiggins a dunk or stuff like that, like he's still an effective offensive player. There's a little bit of a pointless question because I don't think either <laughs> way he leaves, but would you bet for or against there being a, a clay extension? Because it seemed like he was pretty open to it. I think he just talked to uh, Anthony Slater, the athletic, and it seemed like he was pretty much all for an extension. I was, yeah, he, he talked to Slater and, when I saw that the way, or when I, when I listened to the way he actually said it, I was like, damn, he kind of sounds like he's like asking for a contract. Like, it's not like him being like, I want a max and the warriors being like, no, it seems like it's kind of like warriors aren't offering him a contract. It's like, you know, guys, I, I don't want that much, you know, that type of thing. Um, I, I said on my show, I'm betting against it being signed before the season. I think the warriors want the optionality in the season, like him and CP three is expiring and see what's going on there. But I do think 
he will be re-signed next offseason. I just think it's going to be one of those things where they probably don't come together in the next week, and that's fine. He'll play it out. He'll get extended. Um, that's just my guess. Andy, my co-host, thinks the other way. He's like, the way he's talking, it sounds like a guy who's willing to sign. If he gets offered what Draymond got offered, he wants to sign it just to play it safe right now. So. Would you, if you're the team, just removing what he emotionally means to this franchise, like, do you pounce at that if he's willing to sign like the Draymond type deal or maybe even for a little less? I think, I think you have to because I just don't see that as a contract that's toxic for you, you know, right. like taking all emotion out of it, which you kind of have to do the decision the Warriors need to make is, are we willing to give up flexibility? Are we willing to give up the flexibility that not extending clay gives us? Like, I don't know. What if Joel Embiid becomes open and we want to be players in something like that? It's better to have expiring contracts than a newly, you know, inked up guy for four or five years who's older. Right. That sort of thing. And I'm not saying they would trade clay, even if he did came available, but it seems like they're valuing the fact that, you know, if this doesn't work the way we want it to, we can pivot to a new era of Steph or, next to someone else without a Claire or a Wiggins or something like that. Um, but with that, but back to your point, I mean, it's hard if he's, if he's willing to take 20 to 25, given the market, like that makes him what the 80th highest paid player in the NBA or something dumb like that. It's like 14 um, to 15% of like the salary cap moving forward. Like that's what the number would just settle into and probably less if it's at like a, either if it's a declining rate or a steady, steady rate. I mean, that's, that's uh that's Lonzo Ball, Marcus Smart, Dylan Brooks, Malcolm Brogdon, Norm Powell money, <laughs> Keldon Johnson money. You know, um, I don't think that's a number that like that. It's pretty team. For, even as he gets older, that's that's how much Boyan Bogdanovich makes. That's Evan Fournier money. You know, I, I just well. think if you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not saying all those are great contracts, but but you know you know what I'm saying. Like it, I just I can't see the Warriors passing up if he's willing to go that low on that number. Uh, Andrew Wiggins was kind of all over the place after the adductor injury, and then his his dad was sick and he was absent from the team. Do we read anything like long term into the kind of that inconsistency roller coaster, specifically on offense, or is it just let's chalk it up to the hellfire that was last season? I think you're correct. I think uh, I think last year was a miserable season for him. He had an injury. He's he's been pretty durable his whole career, um, but you know he was injured. Then he had a family matter, and you know he ended up playing what only forty six games like that, right? A really low number. Um, I think that's another reason I'm like quasi bullish on this team because I think he bounces back. Um, you know, may, maybe he'll never hit the highs he hit in the 2022 playoffs ever again. Uh, mm. but there's a lot of room between that guy and just the no-show guy last year. He's very comfortable in their system. The role is tailor-made for him where he never has to dribble the ball. He gets to use the he gets to do the things he's really good at. And then there are moments where he gets to take over because teams are triple teaming Steph Curry. And next thing you know, Wiggins has 22 points on mostly like open catch and shoots and like cuts, right? Like those yeah. type of things. So I I you know. I think, I think he bounces back. I also think it's not that hard for him to bounce back in this warrior system because the role fits him. So I keep saying Kuminga is the swing piece because he's the only one they're asking to do something no one's technically actually seen him do to date. Um. So, and also, by the way, a down season for him now where it's like, okay, the defense was mostly there and he still shot almost 40% from three on seven attempts per 36 minutes. Like that's... <laughs> I mean, I, I would say the down season is he didn't play, and, you know, like, and then um, when he came back in the playoffs, he couldn't hit any threes because, well, he hadn't played for an extended period of time and there's rust there. Right. Um, but yeah, like to your point, if you look at his per minute numbers in the games he played in the regular season, it looks the exact same as the year before I was praising him about. Right. Right. Um, the other thing that is fascinating about this team to me anyway, what is Moses Moody's role? this year and what will you be watching just most closely for when he because even last year felt like i don't know there's i don't want to call it feel but it felt like he just fit and worked and, was and that's what and that's what made it frustrating that he had an extended period where he was out of the rotation in favor of uh anthony lamb you know uh i kind of thought he was going to establish himself in the rotation last year and things just didn't break for him that way 
Uh, I do agree with you. He has a level of feel and like he should be an easy plug and play player for them. I think he's going to be another shooter off the bench. Another guy who's long, who can guard multiple positions on defense. Another guy who competes pretty hard. I wouldn't be surprised if he pushed himself above 20 ish minutes a game and they used him, um, use them a lot and it kind of let them keep clay's minutes lower. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I mean, he is kind of the buried one of the topic because I'm spending so much time on Kuminga, right? Uh, I mean, and it's also just like Kuminga's not, I know he can guard wings, but like when you're talking about offense, like Kuminga isn't necessarily like a wing on offense. Like you have Wiggins and then no, he's kind of like, he's kind of like the, the role man. He does a lot right. of the, like a lot of the, you know, okay. Pass, pass Kuminga cut for a dunk, you know, that sort of stuff. So Right. And so having that, if you're going to start Clay and Andrew Wiggins, having like that secondary wing come off the bench is, I mean, pretty mm-hmm. important. So, yeah. so you think he's going to play consistently over 20 minutes a game this year? I'm penciling him at like 18 ish, but I okay. would not be surprised if he got all the way up to like 25 ish minutes a game. Uh, when you start naming all the names that are going to have to play in this rotation, it is a quasi deep roster. Now, we might have thought that a year ago, but you know, young players turn the opposite way. And next thing you know, you're like, we don't have anyone we trust, you know, so could go either way. But I think there's opportunity for him to kind of be the bench unit shooter. Does that make sense? Right. And I don't mean to disparage Gary Payton by not calling him Gary Payton a second by not calling him a wing. I don't know what he would be classified as, like a center guard. I don't like I don't, <laughs> I don't really know what to call him. I mean, I kind of think what the Warriors want Kuminga to do is just do what GP2 does but be six inches taller. That's, that's like literally what they want. And it's like play defense, use your athleticism to be a ball Hawk. And then just like use athleticism to be kind of the five man on offense. And, you know, no one really knows, but we didn't run any plays for you, but you got 12 points in 15 minutes type of thing. Uh, It's there. If he can figure it out, a lot of that's just GP being really intuitive though. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations, Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Speaking of quasi depth, Steve Kerr seems in love with pods uh, on both ends of the floor, which is not something I saw coming. I was just looking at a quote. Yeah. Uh, Do is there, I mean, there's no chance he like plays a real role in this team, but do you have any general early impressions of his game, what he could be, how he might be useful down the line to this team? I think there's a reasonable chance he helps them eat regular season minutes this year. He's a rookie. I will be shocked if he plays meaningful minutes in a playoff series at any point this year. But the thing Steve keeps pointing out to, and it showed in the first preseason game is um, he's really quick mentally. 
He like completely understands what to do. And that's going to, Steve's going to fall in love with you. If you're thinking one play ahead at all times, you know, like that's just his type of player. Um, and honestly, if it keeps translating, he will throw him out there a little bit. Like Steve Kerr is not afraid to play guys who have high feel and are good passers, regardless of their size, regardless of what combinations. Like we know he's up to that sort of thing, right? Um, so I don't know. It's it's been fun to see a rookie who kind of has the opposite skill set of the last few rookies they drafted. You know, like Pods is he's not undersized, but he's not particularly big, and he's not a particularly impressive athlete by NBA standards. Um, but he, he has incredibly high feel and like a lot of touch. So it's like, it's like they, it's like they had to go the complete opposite way of the players they drafted the last couple of years. I don't have any Draymond or Steph Curry questions, but we have to talk about them because they, they're Draymond and Steph Curry. Do we sure. like, are, do you have any new thoughts or concerns about either of these players? Do you expect even with Draymond and Chris Paul, you know, you mentioned CP3 playing with Steph. Do we maybe see instances where the Warriors try to go full bore and maximize those non-Steph minutes and see a lot of Draymond and CP3 together. I know they're reluctant at times to stagger Draymond and Steph, but like, how do you view like maybe those two CP3 and Draymond operating together? I think they can. I think it'll be interesting because Draymond is kind of the point guard when he's on the floor. Some of that's because uh, he doesn't really have a role if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, but they do so much, you know, rip and run off the rebound because he trusts Draymond to make decisions, go straight into a DHO, and then just let Steph cook, that sort of stuff. It'd be interesting to see how he plays with Chris Paul more from a pace perspective because Draymond's mentality is like run, 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 right? He's not a half-court offensive guy, so he's trying to get the team into transition as much as possible. Chris Paul is the opposite. You know, I'm going to slow it down, uh, and I'm going to make the right play and because that's how I like to play, right? So I don't know. It'll be, it'll be, I'm curious to see how those two team together because on the one hand, they're both so smart that something has to work with the two of them. On the other hand, like just on paper, the fit's awful. Right. And, but you, you almost want to see it or experiment with it because if, if there's any chance of you having that optionality and higher leverage moments, like it can't always just be about staggering because the minutes that matter, like you technically want all your best players on the court. Maybe that ends up being the five man unit with Looney and CB3 just on the bench and it's Wiggins and Clay Thompson are in there with them. But I'm hoping they like, do you anticipate them like experimenting a bunch with like sort of some of these different lineup and stagger patterns to see what they really have in the CP3 fit? Yeah, I do think it's possible that they're, well, I, I, I know they're going to experiment in the early season. I know we're going to see some Steve Kerr lineups where you're like, I don't know, man. I don't know about that one. I don't know, you know, but I, it's, you know, better to do that stuff early than later. Right. Like, so I don't know. Steve Kerr's kind of a madman. Sometimes he throws out, you know, a lineup where the tallest player is six, five. And you're like, what are we doing right now? We just saw, right. we just saw him play Mikel Bridges at center in FIBA ball. So, you know, it, it, he's not afraid to zig. Right. So how big of a loss do you view as Bob Myers to this organization? And what level of trust do you have in Mike Dunleavy Jr. And also Kirk Lacob of like, okay, like we're going to be more than just like ride out this goodwill that we have from the, the four championships. And we're really going to try and maximize what we have left of this. It was not just the best player in franchise history. He's probably one of the 10 greatest players of all time. Yeah. Like he's still in his prime window. Yeah. I mean, in, I have as much faith as one could reasonably expect to have given it happened in May. Mike right. Dunleavy was his right-hand man. And so was Kirk Lacob. A lot of the Warriors, decisions are kind of consensus brain trust decisions they're not like a one-man operation this isn't like a i'm trying to think of a good example like like daryl morey tends to just kind of like everything goes through him right type of thing uh i don't they don't they don't operate it's it's a consensus type of thing with the warriors so i don't know we'll see like it's hard to argue with the results during bob's tenure right Mm -hmm. so i'm curious to see how this goes but in terms of first off season and moves they're saying all the right things. I like the moves that they made. I, they also didn't paint themselves into a corner with aggressive gambles. Like, yes, Chris Paul is weird, but there's a very, there's like a very easy pivot off it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I kind of like what they did and I'm willing to let it play out a little bit before making a definitive decision. And do you think, and you've kind of alluded to this, but I want to make sure that I'm not like misquoting you here, that they have the the guts, the gall to, if a midseason opportunity arises, whether or not Chris Paul's being a good fit, that they would make 
that kind of a shakeup if the right player becomes available rather than kind of playing it safe. I do. Um, and I think that could potentially be the biggest shift between this uh, front office and the Bob Myers one. Bob is very, um, what's the word I want to say? Bob's Bob's pragmatic. He's not a, he's not a guy who's going to like wholesale half his roster at the trade deadline. He's a big, like, let's see it play out. Let's move this slowly. Let's not try to panic that sort of thing. Now I'm not saying Dunleavy's like going to panic trade left and right, mm-hmm. but I do get the impression he's going to be a little more aggressive. And yeah, if the worst case scenario for the Warriors happens where Chris Paul and Draymond are just not working and this and that, I do think he'd trade Chris Paul at the trade deadline. I do think he would just be like, it's not working. You're on. This is the business, you know? I mean, he said, I'm not trading Jordan Poole. What do you mean? We want him here forever and trade him two days later. You know? Yeah, and he was pretty he's pretty steady about it. He's kind of this has been brought up to me, but it's like he's a lifer. He's not he's been traded himself multiple times. Right. He's kind of got a he's desensitized to like that side of the business. So I don't think he would. Uh, hesitate to act if he thought it made the team better. There's also, they have a sneaky, like they could still trade a couple firsts and their swaps and there's Kaminga and there's Moody. Sure. There's the CP3 experiment. Like they have a sneaky, they're not going to outbid everybody, but like they, they still have real stuff to move without touching their, their Particularly core. when you look at like Steph's age, if they want to put some of those later picks on the table, there's going to be some teams just like, man, are they going to be good on Steph's 40? You know, like, like a lot of, you know, like kind of just what you saw with the Bucks trade, right? Like yeah. that is a, that is a bet against the Bucks future that Portland made, you know, and yeah. it could be a fair one given the ages of the guys when they get there, you know? So um, I, they do have stuff. And I think the expiring contracts are a big piece of that too. So I think they're I think they're open to it. I just think having seen how they operate, they're not trading picks in 2028, 2030, like that sort of stuff, unless it gets a guy who they think can reasonably be a bridge with Steph. Okay. Like that, like, like it would have to it's be not gonna a. be like, oh, we're going all in on OG Ananobi type deal. Exactly. And and apparently that's what Masai wants for OG. So yeah, exactly. Uh it's gotta be like we're getting a true number two star with Steph for one. We are entering the cookie cutter portion of the podcast. Now, are there any strengths or weaknesses that we haven't discussed that are maybe flying under the radar or not being talked enough about uh, with regards to this team? Um, well, I mean, I think everyone thinks they're going to be too small. So I don't know that weaknesses are being under discussed. Uh, I just, I don't think enough is being put into how terrible their bench units have been when Steph's off the floor. And, Chris Paul at 38 should be able to command a net neutral bench and they have a good combination of players to go with it. I kind of think they're being slept on and how many wins they can potentially just rack up in the regular season. Playoffs could be a different animal because I'm not sure if they have the five man units they've had in the past that you can trust, but I think I just don't they think they're reliable. Being... That starting five last year was when they played yeah. together was statistically a killer. It is, it is, and it's good, and it's also like, you know, it doesn't work against specific teams because of Looney and Draymond's offensive limitations. Right. But, like, against the field, it, it racks up wins. So, I don't know. I feel like it's being slept on how much Chris Paul can actually help the bench and just contribute to wins. Like, they could, they should win 50 games. Do you think that they're going to change, not, like, overhaul the way that they're used to playing, but, like, are we going to see more of, like, maybe a traditional offense when Chris Paul's running point on his own, or is he really going to be kind of – in like grossed into the, the way that the Warriors want to play. I think they're going to, they're going to make him play the way the Warriors want to play when he's playing with Steph and clay. And just, there's just so much stuff that they do um, that you'd be foolish not to have him figure out how to, to work in that system. Right. Um, but I think when it's backup units with no Steph on the floor, they might go with the traditional CP double drag screen offense and just make Kuminga the role man and Saric and just like, look, man, we don't need to reinvent the wheel when Steph's not out there. Go with what works. It'll be steady. Defend. Get some high percentage shots. And boom, throw Steph back in there and cause chaos. When when you're looking at sort of the 10-man the, the rotation, the top 10 guys who are going to play, does it feel like there are just 10 locks for this? Like it's just you have the top six, there's CP3, and then we go right into, well, Gary Payton the second, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, and Dario Saurich. Like where is the 
do you expect if Rudy Gay makes the roster to actually crack that top 10 type thing or is anyone else? No, I, th- I think you're right. I think the reality is Steph's going to miss a handful of games. Chris Paul miss a handful of games. Um, and, you know, th- that's where the Corey Josephs of the world come in. That's where maybe Pajemski gives them a little thing here and there. That's where Rudy Gay can give them some minutes because Draymond maybe is, you know, missing a few games here or there. And that's how those guys can get their minutes. Like end of the day, four of their top six are over 30 and two of those guys are over 35. There's going to be games missed. There's going to be precautionary rest, even though Adam Silver says we shouldn't do it anymore. Um, And there's going to be opportunities for the rest of the roster, but to your point, fully healthy, locked in, playing the Nuggets, playing the Lakers, you know, games they want to have. I don't expect them to go much deeper than those guys. I'm going to put you on the spot because you've already mentioned it'll be a lot of this will be matchup dependent. We fast forward to the end of this year. What ends up being their most used crunch time unit? I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be the one that uh, everyone expects, which is Chris Paul and the hyper small ball unit. I think it's going to be Steph. You're talking about just what's their most used crunch time lineup, right? Yeah, just like high stakes moments. And I know they can do a bunch of different things, but like what's going to end up being the five minutes? Steph, minute Chris Paul, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, which is tiny. Right. But I, I think they're going to go with that uh, in those like three minutes left. We need to take this game home. Let's get them out there. My galaxy brain was, I feel like, could it be like Looney, Draymond, Wiggins, Paul, and Steph, but like the idea of having cl- like in a playoff game and it's crunch time I and mean, Clay just on the bench just feels dirty. So I couldn't, I, I wouldn't be able to go with that one. But that was the one that I kind of thought a lot about. I do think we're gonna see games this year where Clay doesn't close. We'll see games where they go with Looney instead of Draymond. We'll see games. We won't see games where Steph doesn't close. I'll put it that way. Well, that but would be stupid. I think <laughs> we'll see every. I know. I think we'll see every other guy of that you know big six be on the bench for crunch time at some point this season. And I actually get the feeling that that's kind of Steve wants that to happen. He wants them to close a game with clay on the bench once just to be like, you're important, but you know, we can win other ways. You know, I wants to close once with Chris Paul on the bench, just so he understands like, it's not, you know, it's not 2017 where you're the point God or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and on down the line close without Draymond, because Looney is a better matchup against like Sabonis or something uh, just because, Hey, that's what we want to do. I do expect there to be like, I, my biggest take is they're not going to have a consistent starting or closing lineup. It's going to be a, the same seven or eight guys, but they're going to rotate them a lot though. I wouldn't be surprised if they started Kuminga for Ooh. random games and they went with the Steph clay Wiggins, Kuminga Draymond lineup. You know, I will, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. So I, I just think there's a lot of, I want to say opportunity, but I think I think that they're going to be a little more mix and match uh, heavy than they're traditionally. If they're going to be that experimental, this actually makes this question have some substance when it normally doesn't. What is a weirdo lineup? Maybe they won't try it, but you think that they should? Um, I want to see... Steph, I want to see the one I said earlier. I'll keep it. I'll keep it simple. Steph, CP, Wiggins, Kuminga, Saric. Okay. I you just got the see... two, two hyper oh, go wings, the stretch five who can pass and do kind of the Bogut, uh, you know, Bielitsa, like, you know, be kind of a, a hub of offense from the elbow big. You got CP and Steph together. I don't know. It could be a lot of fun. I just want to see the Steph plus kids lineup. Just let's let's, nice. let's throw the two timeline out there. Well, so that's Kaminga, Moody, Pod, Steph, and uh, I really look. I'm just gonna throw. He's on a two way. I just want Usman Garuba out there. I'm in love with Usman Garuba still. Uh, I don't. Care. I do. I would not be surprised if he got his way into the rotation. They, he's he's a Warriors player. We'll see. We'll see if he develops fast enough. But like the skill set fits how the Warriors want to play for sure. Uh, I celebrated every corner three he hit last year. So uh, <laughs> I'll be all about that. No, it's interesting. We just did our over-unders pods for the league. The Warriors total moved down since we did it. It was only two days ago. Um, it's at 47 and a half right now. Would you take the over or the under on that? I'll take the over. I think they won 44 games last year. Uh, and 
they swapped a bunch of malcontents for Chris Paul, who tends to rack up wins. I think they'll be a safe bet for 48 wins if they stay reasonably healthy in general. Uh, let me put it this way. They're either going to win over 48 or they're going to win under 38. That's my prediction. I think they're either going to either father times catching up and there's going to be a lot of injuries and that sort of type of season, which I don't, you know, don't want to happen, but it's always a possibility. Right. Or they're going to be a normal NBA team with, you know, maybe Steph plays 63 games, maybe Chris Paul plays 60 games, you know, like nothing right. substantial, but nothing that terrible either. Um, and I think given the veteran upgrades they made, that's probably a team that gets you close to 50 wins, maybe even mid fifties, but I feel 48 a safe bet. Uh, this question has been interesting this year because of how wide open the West is. I'm looking at just the regular season. Cause like playoffs a different animal. Are there any teams that you would guarantee to have a better record than the Warriors in the West right now? Yeah. Um, Denver. I think Denver's combination of like, they're the defending champions. Every one of their core players is younger than the Warriors core player. Like they're all in like the perfect age sweet spot where I'm not concerned about health. Um, mm. And uh, they just rack up wins, man. Like I would be very surprised if Denver isn't a top two seed again. Oh yeah. I'd be shocked. Um, um, other than that, I don't know. Phoenix should be a flamethrower, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were kind of like the Warriors where it's unclear about how many of them are sitting in lineup every night and that sort of thing. Uh, and then everyone else, like, I don't know. I could, I could, I could paint a case for two being the two seed or the play in for eight, eight, yeah, eight teams the in the West. And the Warriors are one of those teams. So I think I just, I'm more, I have more faith in the Suns than you do. I think, I think there's a clear top two and everything else is wide open. Sam, uh, I know you have to go. Can you just tell our listeners where they can find you and all the great work that you do? Yeah, Sam Spandiari. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, check out the Light Years Pod, Apple, Spotify, all pod players. Um, and yeah, appreciate you, Jeff. I appreciate you as well. Thanks as always for coming on. I will talk to you soon. winter here if i had it my way it would stay winter all year long short days wind chill black ice and a good polar vortex <laughs> heaven wait is it getting warm in here your cold snap is over old man winter spring has arrived spring spring is here which means it's the perfect time to get away in the hyundai you've always wanted visit the hyundai getaway sales event where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning hyundai models like the tech-filled tucson and kona as well as the spacious palisade enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with america's best warranty and three years or thirty-six thousand miles of complimentary maintenance but hurry in these deals won't last add more joy to your journey at the hyundai getaway sales event now get zero percent apr or up to fifteen hundred bonus cash on the hyundai tucson now during the hyundai getaway sales event offers end soon call 562-314-4603 for details it's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Adidas.